This episode is thanks to Bougie Smile. What's better than getting your teeth widened? Well, getting your teeth widened while listening to R&B and hip-hop music. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, you're listening to the Left of Field podcast and I'm your host, Danny Kavanagh. Today, we're going to be chatting about NRL with Shane Gillum. He is a WA boy originally from South Africa and who is playing locally at the moment. He has played um, internationally, he's played over East, he's even captained South African side in the last World Cup. So there's a lot of big, exciting things happening in the sport around the world and locally. So we chatted about it all. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Shane, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Perfect. Yeah, going great, Danny. Halfway through um, isolation. I think it's day four today. How's it been for you so far? Have you survived? Uh, not so bad. This is my fourth isolation. I've got a bit of experience. Uh, and yeah, it's only a one-week one. So, I mean, I'm out in three days. So, it's all good. Well, maybe it gets easier each time. I don't know. <laughs> now, for our listeners yeah. out there who might not know much about you, can you give us a little rundown in your, I guess, your NRL career to date? Yeah, perfect. Grew up in South Africa. Moved over to Perth at like the age of 10. Basically was playing rugby union over here. I was working force, like in the academy. And then I think at the time, like basically they had like Matt Hodgson, Ben McCallum, David Pocock, and I think the two guys above me are playing for the force now, like Tank and Tekka and stuff, were probably going to get a contract. So I decided that I probably needed to switch to rugby league. And at the time, there was big hype like over the NRL bringing a team to Perth. So like I thought it would be a wise choice. So anyway, we moved to the thing called SG Ball. Whereas like every second weekend we'd fly to Sydney and play in the Perth comp- um, Sydney comp. So there's guys like Wonga Blake who's been picked up through that now and he's currently playing for Parramatta. So part of him. So use that as a gateway. I think in my second year I did my ACL, you know, playing against Cronulla or something, and I had a few scouts come like up knocking on the door and that sort of closed a bit of opportunity. Then I just had to move over east, like at 18, I think. I moved to Queensland. And then I was yeah playing basically Queensland Cup over there and we linked with the Titans and just, yeah, had a few injuries. So things weren't going too well. Like I didn't actually get an NRL debut, but I was in the system sort of like with the Titans and uh, with the Brisbane Tigers, like probably should have stayed there. They were linked to the Melbourne Storm. Might have got a better opportunity there, but in hindsight, it's easier to look at things. And then, yeah, just decided to go move over to Europe and played played there for two years and now I'm, now I'm back in Perth. Wow, you've kind of played all over the place in a variety of sports, so shows that you've got a bit of talent there. Now, you mentioned kind of at the beginning that you chose to make the switch from rugby union to rugby league. Now, you know, being South African and in Australia, they're predominantly rugby union focused, you know, like nations and states. Why did What made you make the change over to rugby league? Why did you choose that sport and maybe not even footy or something else if you wanted to give another, you know, code a go? Yeah, well, obviously the skills are transitional, sort of. I was just the Sapromano Frio team in the Development Academy, but uh, the waffle. Yeah, uh, yeah, like under 18s, I played like in Europe AFL, then it's like Jandakot and River Lake, and I got scattered through that like under 18s squad. But like, you got to do that at a younger age. I had a terrible left foot, so I was probably too big a build for that. So I had to give that across. But 
yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed the rugby league, something different. Yeah, definitely a lot of South Africans aren't open to it. If you ask them, some are closed-minded. So they just focus purely on rugby union, which I sort of was too. Like, you sort of think it's the better game. But as I played rugby league more, I sort of got to enjoy it. And it's more like ball, like in time, less stoppages. And as a forward, you get a lot more tackles and hit-ups. And yeah, a lot more action, I suppose. And it's better for someone to come watch. Like you ask a friend to come down and watch, they get a bit more bang for their buck, I suppose. Yeah, you de- you're definitely seeing that in the ratings and the popularities compared between the two sports. I mean, Origin is the biggest watched game, you know, of sport in yeah, Australia exactly. every year because it's, I think, even for people who don't follow the sport, it's more exciting and there's a lot of bigger hits and it's, I think, less stop-start. Yeah, exactly. Like I was in, living in Europe and I couldn't believe, like, Oh, we had like we had a pretty international team in Frankfurt, and like there was a Slovenian guy, a Croatian guy, a guy from Georgia. Like Georgia's a small country, only four million, and like they were following NRL, you know, and they watch it on YouTube or they try and watch it where they can. So yeah, it was quite interesting. Yeah, so you mentioned how South Africa, you know, South Africans aren't really that open to the sport, and then you mentioned Europe, where there's a few countries that are becoming more open. How is the sport growing internationally? It's slowly growing internationally. Like, obviously, it's getting traction from the NRL and, like, the kind of brand that they developed the enjoyment and the action of the sport. The fast-paced game, even America is sort of now getting into. If you look, they're competing with the Major League Rugby Union Comp. They got, I think they've got a pro comp now starting the Rugby League competition, which could be the result in, like, Canada, like, Northern America and America joining. So once, the, like I know a few Americans over there who really love the sport, you know, have transitioned from NFL to their type of sport just to get traction. And in the rugby union field, I mean, in Europe, it's more the countries that it's not rugby union dominant that's taking off. You've got like a country like Netherlands where rugby union is not so big, where there's opportunity for rugby league to grow and they could have a, you know, be on the world stage, like compete in the World Cup. And I think at the last World Cup was, yeah, Australia in 2000. And 17, I think it was. There was, an, was Australia, New Zealand, PNG. And I think they had like 16 teams. I'm not sure. But I know the next World Cup, they're looking to upgrade the, the teams to two or four more teams. So that just gives every nation like competing for a spot a bit more pressure on their like governing body, I suppose, to like, you know, facilitate the sport. And in, in the grassroots. Yeah, exactly. Like rugby union, if you look at it globally now, it's quite competitive. Like you've got your your top 20 countries already and then you've got like 50 countries competing and it's quite tough to get a spot in the World Cup at the moment because you've got countries that are fully established with full competitions and professional, you know, grassroots, all the way from like under fives to under 18s with X amount of players. Whereas rugby league is... A lot of those countries are just on par with each other, so there's opportunities there. You've touched on the World Cup. Now, you know, it would be wrong of me not to point out that when South Africa were last in the World Cup, you did captain the side. How was that experience? So, yeah, I just captained the side for the World Cup qualifier 2019. So we played against Cook Islands, and basically the winner was going to play America, and then we were going to get the rapid charge, the last spot in the World Cup which unfortunately we didn't do. But yeah, that's like probably my proudest moment to date, like for sporting. I mean, I'm happily Australian, but proudly South African. So I like to lead the boys out and so many people watching and, you know, you're facing the Haka, the Cook Islands, and you definitely get like a feeling of adrenaline that I haven't experienced before and it's holding each other like before the game. You just know, get the feeling you can't really describe. 
the team, had you played with many of the players previously? Obviously not playing your stealth in South Africa before. Had you played with the guys around the world before you went to that World Cup? So we've played like a few guys. So we've played a few test matches before. Like in 2015, we played in South Africa, you know, against Lebanon and a few tests. We played against the British and Irish Lions amateur team. So I played with a few of those guys and we did play like Italy and Malta together. So there was a handful, but yeah, it was just hard because we don't really have like a large talent pool of rugby league players. A lot of South Africans immigrated to Australia within the last decade. So now like if they grew up playing rugby league, then they could sort of help with that. So we had a real young squad, but yeah, I did play with a handful of players, but unfortunately we didn't have the talent compared to the Cook Island team. We've basically... No, just 10 times more talent than our team, unfortunately. Well, the competition better watch out with the young kids coming through now. Maybe South Africa will be something we're all talking about. What was the experience like for you, you know, getting to captain your nation, um, having that leadership thrust upon you? Had you been captain many times before? Was it a role that you thrived in? Or did you find it quite challenging mentoring the younger kids? Yeah, I did captain like a few times playing younger and like a few private teams. Might have been a leadership squad for our teams, but yeah, like captaining a side winning is, is pretty easy, but captaining the side, I'll, you know, backs against the wall a little bit. I don't know what really happened. Um, we sort of came out and, you know, didn't start really well, leaked a few tries. So it was a quite challenging for me, to be honest. Sometimes, it, you know, I try to stay calm behind the post. Sometimes I didn't really have the words for what to, to say. And um put me in a situation where, it's, you know, everyone looks up to you. And as a leader, you need to be calm because if you start to... If they can sense that you're sort of panicking, then, you know, they can distribute for the whole team. So taught me a lot of lessons. I definitely try to read a few leadership books after that and then just sort of put my eyes upon other uh, sporting icons or leaders and just try to see how they do it, you know, because we got pretty badly beat against Cook Islands and I had like a lot of family and friends and fly down and, you know, we had people from Africa watching and all over the world. So it was a little bit hard to take on the heart. But, you know, you've got to take those experiences and just learn and try to grow from it. I think even you just putting South Africa out there would have made a lot of the people quite proud watching what you've done to the sport. You mentioned the tough times of losing and you've also experienced tough times with injuries. How do you find the strength to continue on? Do you think, is it a lot of mental strength you've had to deal with, a lot of challenges? Or have you always just been someone who's just pick yourself up and keep going? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I've had like nine surgeries now, so quite challenging. Like at the beginning, like you have a first one, you sort of you got a lot of energy, bounce back. You just have to get in a good routine and just know that you just have to celebrate the small wins every day. Just continually trying to progress. You can get situated on like the end goal too much. You can give yourself a seven-month plan. This is where I want to be. What shape you want to be back? But you just got to focus on your daily wins. You know, getting up. All right, today I can. I have 5% more range in my knee. I can walk a little bit further. And then, obviously, just some positive things. Try to just be grateful. It is a good day. You've woke, woken up. you just got to celebrate the small things because when you can't walk, and obviously, what country is quite tough. Can't just start reading, trying to be out in the sun. You know, just, just keeping busy, not thinking too much about what you can't do, rather what you can do. And that's, that's definitely, uh, I think, the way to go. Yeah, I definitely think so. Otherwise, it'll be a bit hard to wake up each morning. Now, we've touched on you playing, you know, for South Africa and over East, and now you play in WA. And for all the local listeners out there, what is what is the current state of NRL in the 
here in the state at the moment? How is the game going? Is it thriving? Is it, you know, is there enough teams for a really strong competition or are you struggling a little bit? So, yeah, there is a competition WA currently in Perth. I think this year is going to be six Perth, uh, first grade teams. There is a few more like reserve grade and junior route teams coming up. You know, you've got Mandra, you've got a few more teams. I think it's like maybe there could be six more junior teams. So you might have like 14 teams in overall. And then they did have a competition last weekend down in Albany, Albany Nines. And I think they organized like a, a Pilbara comp. So they might have like a few mining teams. Like Carafa, not too sure how active it is or what what all the team setups are. But with the force coming back now, obviously that's you know if you're a school kid, you've got to have an idol to look up to. And if they're fluctuating, seeing the force on the TV, that's going to represent a lot of players keeping to rugby union in the juniors. So, I mean, it, obviously you still get those families that are NRL families and watch NRL, and you might get those kids playing NRL, but now you've got AFL and rugby competing with rugby league. So, I mean, it makes it tough as a, as a kid because basically, you know, on this, you've got to move away at like 18 years old or 16 years old if you want to pursue your career in rugby league. Are you like me? You like to drink red wine and lots of coffee, but you really want to brighten your smile? Well... Why not head to Bougie Smile? Why not head to Bougie Smile? In Mount Lawley, they are offering clinically proven teeth whitening treatments while you listen to hip hop and R&B music. And in those 60 short minutes, you'll have the brightest smile with results ranging from four to 10 shades whiter. When I got it done, I actually improved by eight shades whiter. So it is well worth it. And it's so simple, so fun with the R&B music. You sit in the chair and I literally was dancing. So why not give it a go? Use the code LEFTOFFIELD when booking with a bougie smile and you will get a very nice 15% discount. Brighten your teeth and drink all that red wine and coffee and not be afraid to smile. Do you think WA is ready for their own team in the national competition? Yeah, I think so. There's definitely backing you financially. You just look at the force, how quickly they got back up and running. You know, just because of COVID, they weren't in the, in the roster and then straight away they've got, you know, back up and running and now they're a staple, staple team, I suppose, in the Australian League. If you look now, like you've got the 17th competition coming in, so the Red Cliff Dolphins, so they'll come in next year. So the NRL just have to decide and give us the green light and basically just as soon as you get the green light, everything else is go. I'm pretty sure the NRL WA are set and ready to go. And I mean, there's enough talent floating around to be able to build a team here. And just even WA talent, like there's enough talent over east to just entitle all those guys who grew up in WA or overseas to come home and, and play for the Perth franchise. If you're in charge of picking a name and a, maybe a mascot for the Perth franchise, any ideas on what we should go with? Well, there used to be the WA Reds, and currently they, I think the bid is the West Coast Pirates. But yeah, that's that's the current bid currently. But if that changes or not, I'm sure. But that, those are the two standing currently. I think I could get behind the Pirates. That could be a good one. Yeah, yeah, Pirates. <laughs> pirates is it an easy, easy little mascot? Easy kind of some nice little cheesy yeah. phrases they could throw out there. I could see the yeah, commentators. Yeah, exactly. You know, some flags uh, on the seas and a bit of boat talk. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a bit of talk about, you know, Perth being so far away, but it's all right. 
Yeah, and so with COVID, and you mentioned there's going to be a competition with six teams this year. Personally, how is your you know year looking? How have you been training during this time? I know you do a, a different forms of training as well. So what does your training schedule look like leading into a new season? Well, yeah, I've actually just like rocked up at a CrossFit gym when I moved back. And I was sort of looking to hang the boots up. Um, so I've just been training there at a gym called Dignus out in Malaga, a trainer called Across the Village. Did quite, I've actually enjoyed it a lot. Like sometimes you need to change and just been doing that really. And I've basically just been doing CrossFit training. I haven't done any rugby league training or anything currently. I think that's a pretty big factor that you don't, you know, do a lot of rugby league to kind of get yourself ready. And you've also come from other sports and you've had that kind of background. If you were looking, say, to maybe recruit some new players this year and other guys are thinking of changing code from a footy, a basketball even, I don't know if that works, to NRL, what are some skills that you think, you know, non-negotiables or is kind of just the basis for an NRL player and you can teach the rest, the rules and all that later on? What are some skills that you would be looking for in some players? Well, it's just basically good hand-eye coordination ball skills. Like, I mean, there's a guy playing Manly currently, second row, I can't remember his name, but I mean, he just came from, like, a high-level basketball, and, like, because of his size, it's just transition. He can move, he can run. Have, having a bit of brain to think, you need to identify what you can, how to evade the defenders. and But, you know, a bit of agility skills, left and right, naturally, and then just be able to have a bit of a fitness, some type of drive. You see, there's a couple of players playing around that aren't really that talented, but they just they got the drive. You know, they turn up, they do the work, mobility, stretching before all the small things. I think get you to the high level. It's not really being that flashy player, but being able to, yeah, stick to nutrition after the game. You know, having your protein or whatever. It's the, the small things that are more important. Yeah, and so then, what's your goal now for the NRL? Where would you like to one day be playing? Yeah, so currently, like, I moved away at a young age. So I've, you know, lived over interstate for the past eight years or overseas. So the whole thing I came back for COVID is, you know, my, my granddad wasn't really well. And one of my friends missed his dad's funeral. So I was just, that's a pretty bad state to be in if I couldn't come home. So I just thought my main goal now is just I'm studying at UWA. So trying to do my bachelor's there. What are you but studying? Doing biomedicine, so doing neuroscience and physiology. So I'm pretty interested in the brain and the concussions and and that type of stuff so if I can try and yeah, I want to get into some of that like sports medicine or something so that's the main goal now but the second goal like maybe play some rugby league in Perth I would love Perth to be able to get an NRL team I mean if they went there I don't know if I'll be too old to play for them or not so that's always an option but I suppose the main goal working on now is just getting South Africa to the, the next World Cup so 2025 I think France there's another another World Cup where they're going to take the top two countries from Africa and Africa hasn't been in the World Cup since 2000 so that's probably the main I don't want to like live away from family and stuff anymore being there done that yeah, no, that'd be exciting if you can, you know, bring your nation back to a World Cup. Big things there. Now, you touched on your interest with biosciences and concussions, and that's obviously a big talking point in the sport these days in all contact sports. Have you ever experienced concussions yourself? So I probably had a couple concussions playing rugby. I remember I had a bad neck injury probably 2015. I like, you know, had a pressure tackle and I think I collapsed two discs in my neck, C5, C6. But the NRL do it really well. They do like a cognitive testing before the season where you do like card testing and stuff. So you see what type of cognitive control the person has. And then once you get a 
concussion, you have to do that test again. And if you score lower than your base mark score, then you basically have to have another week off. And that's the result of your normal concussion testing. If you have like symptoms on the field, you have to go off, do a test. And then all those protocols. So, but yeah, I had a couple. So I was, and then like it was pretty good the last few years, but then I had a really bad one last year. So it's quite scary because I had a couple of friends now retire from concussions. And it's just, you have to have it mentally before you can have it physically, you know? Yeah, it's a lot harder to recover sometimes. You don't fully regain, every, you know, every kind of movement back. And yeah. is there anything more you think the sport can be doing to help these kind of players and to help, you know, young kids that are coming through now? Do you think there's big changes that can be made? I think they are implementing the changes now, like at the level, like having guys set off. But just there needs to be more ownership on, because obviously it's competitive and it's hard to judge concussion. Like you're just asking a player, like, how's he feeling? How's he doing? Like he can be feeling like dizzy and you can't really judge it. And then he, then all of a sudden he tells the coach that he's feeling fine and then he goes back and gets another concussion. You know? So yeah, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to judge at the moment, especially at the lower levels. I suppose that's why they're recommending like the three weeks off after concussion. Even at A grade games in Perth, you don't have a doctor there or anything. So, you know, you should, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's up for debate, like what to do, but it's, it's a tough one. Probably a multi-prong attack. You mentioned the individual there. And when guys are so competitive fighting for spots on a team, you know, sometimes they do anything to kind of up their chances and not want to sit on the bench and miss a week. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because you've got to put your health, your health first sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I know like a few doctors um, over east that sort of they don't really want to be involved with it, you know, because it's really it's quite a tough one. Like they're not doing fMRI scanning on the brain or anything. They're just seeing how symptoms are. And then if you say you're fine and you, and you pass your baseline test, then you're cleared to play. But if you get another knock, you're not really thinking about the, the consequences further down the line. Yeah, it's a t- it's definitely is a tough one, but hopefully there's they can bring in some you know if change make a few changes like you said with doctors and that and entice more younger kids to play and the sport can grow, but in a safer way if there's more money involved. Yeah, I was reading like a, a couple of articles because I did a um, paper on it for SA last year, but how like neck strength was, can be directly contributed to like concussion. So I mean, I, I remember us doing any neckline base baseline testing. So. I mean, if they could just ensure like neck strength or just protocols like that, that could be um, one way to help improve it. Just set like a minimum baseline, something like that. Definitely. That is something I haven't heard of much either. So that could be something definitely to look into. Now, I do like to ask all my guests some words, you know, a motto, some inspiring words that you like to live life by that you could maybe share and leave with everyone. How you do anything is how you do everything. Um, Sort of that. You see a lot of people put emphasis on on one aspect of life where professional sport, you know, you're trying to do your best all the time. But I think if you're going to do that, you need to try and do that in all your areas in life. So, you know, with family, friends, in your job, and then, yeah, just, just try and enjoy it as well. Yeah, find that balance and, you know, be the best person you can in all aspects to everyone. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, good luck for the season coming up. Hopefully, I mean, firstly, you get out of ISO and then have a great season. And who knows, there could be big things for WA. I mean, we do have Origin this year. How exciting is having game two? Yeah, I know. That should be good. So I think we will sell out last time. So definitely be heading along to that. Yeah, just hoping we can get some NRL games once all this COVID blows over. That should be, yeah, 
hopefully it's a good one. Who do you support in the national competition? Go for the Blues. But mm. I will, uh, yeah. I'm a Storm girl. I like the Storm. Well, yeah. You're, you're neutral, but you should go for Queensland. Both. Well, I lived in Queensland, but I lived on the Sunshine Coast and because they have the feeder team with the Falcons there. Yeah. I was literally, you know, used to interview Nico Hines and all of that before he even made his debut. And so now I feel like I have to, you know, I've got this connection to Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, good luck for the year and uh, good luck with ISO. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Danny. Have a good one. See you.